airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. And welcome to the Allens Investigate with me, Shona Allen. And I'm Gary Allen, the Cockney Bard. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from beautiful New Orleans. This week, we'd like to welcome our special guest, Craig Leonard, actor, auctioneer and military history advisor to film and TV. Craig, a former Royal Fusilier for six years, has been involved in running military reenactments and shows all over the United Kingdom for more than 30 years. And his expertise has landed him acting roles in major films, including Atonement and Cockney versus Zombies, to BBC dramas and more recently, reconstructions for Lost Relics of the Knights Templar on Sky Television. He has also taken on roles assisting with set design, costume and as a military history advisor to BBC film and TV, as well as production buying. He supplied vehicles and equipment to dramas such as SAS Rogue Heroes and programmes like War Above the Trenches. Craig also runs regular military and vintage fairs. Welcome, Craig. Welcome, Craig. Wow. Some introduction. No, it's all good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite some resume you've got there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Uh, so we <laughs> like that. It gets a bit embarrassing, but it, it's what I do. Oh, well, yeah. don't be embarrassed. No, it's no, really good. Enjoy it's it. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> good for no, you. Part and parcel of uh, having a starting my own business, if you like, from from years ago, from doing the acting through. Uh-huh. To, Supplying with reenactments and inevitably to get items from to use in reenactments. I bought ex film props, and this was like over 30, 40 years ago, back in the mm. 80s. So, uh, wow. so we just used to use the film props for reenactments. So that just progressed on, and then stuff started to hire back. And that's how I, I started hiring bits and pieces back. and the more you learn about living history, the more you can give advice to other people. And it was just a natural progression to go into films. Sorry, yeah. my camera's moving slightly. So you have to make the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously it's very excited. It's an excited camera, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so Craig, I was going to ask you basically, um, what got you interested in military history, for example? Oh well, the military history. When I was twelve years old, I got uh, I got taken to a to a military reenactment and watched the Germans shooting the Americans and the British. I thought that looked fun. What you do was twelve. <laughs> uh, it's a bit like cowboys and Indians, isn't it? So just yeah. just impression just got involved in it and love living free mm. and the amount of people that I've met from all walks of life, from the most famous people you can think of through to people that haven't got two eighties to rub together. So and, and yeah, they have a they yeah. have a real passion for it as well, don't they? Yeah. Okay. So so but you I've always done the military history side of things. I've been involved in working on, you know, different television shows, 
I, I, I take the Aloha Low cast around for autograph signing at the moment. So oh, wow. it's people that I grew up watching. And yeah. yeah, we used to watch that. Yeah, I grew up watching that yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Renee and that, yeah. Oh, Renee. <laughs> people with friends that are in the film industry who were really high up in the film industry and I can pass items on to them if you know if they get stuck for a certain prop they'll ring me up and say look we're looking for this we're looking for that um hence I ended up owning something like 28 military vehicles so wow what, amazing, isn't it? what kind I'm, of military vehicles oh all sorts I've got armored cars motorbike and sidecars trucks you see some of them in lost relics of the knights templar yeah. uh, of my vehicles onto SAS Rogue Heroes, which was a BBC drama recently. Uh -huh. uh, all sorts of bits and pieces, really. Yeah, uh, we've got a friend, haven't we? Who's uh, he's really into the military stuff, isn't he? Yes, he's got some military trucks, isn't he? Yeah, God, he'd yeah. love you. With <laughs> we, we, like your a, knowledge. we like a bit of the dressing yeah, up at the 1940s events because we have um some uh, railway events steam railway yeah. events and uh, once in a year norfolk, they yeah. in norfolk and they mm. do some uh, 1940s reenactments but it's it's really lovely because the whole atmosphere and everything i mean i know you can't really glorify war i understand that but i think it's the spirit of the atmosphere yeah. and everything and they usually culminate it with flying a spitfire over as well and it, it just the feeling of that is amazing yeah, it's amazing isn't it We've got the Seven Valley Railway here, and I used to run their event forum for 17 years, and we did some of the best battles in the country. In fact, some of them are so good, they're the legendary now amongst the reenactment community. So oh, I was going wow. <laughs> stuff. Um, but we were using proper Section 5 weapons. We'd have like three or four original G42. <laughs> we even had original 50 calibers firing rounds where we had to tell the public to put their fingers in the rears because they were Ooh. so. <laughs> yeah it can be a bit noisy can't it definitely yeah so i'm having a real problem with my uh with my oh. my uh your camera yeah i, I didn't push oh. the in on the back i've just done it now oh, maybe we need some wd-40 on it or something <laughs> <laughs> some sticky tape yeah, we can sticky, recommend it sticky back plastic <laughs> <laughs> press the arm in and i forgot to do it so, oh. so uh, we, we understand you've known hamilton white for quite some time hamilton yeah he's been yeah. over 30 odd years wow it was through wow. when we first started discussing the uh, the 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 relics and the hordes so this is where yeah. the commentary comes in from reading objects and um, yeah. but this is hence the backdrop of the Templars. These are the costumes. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> well, it's my trip to Hamilton, I suppose, because these are the costumes I was wearing on the show. Oh, uh, wow. But you've got the studio picture of me in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, we really enjoyed the first series of uh, Lost Rakes of Knights Templar. Yeah. The first one Very was really good, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the second one was better. Uh, Did you think the second one was better, yeah? Uh, yeah, but they haven't gone for a third season yet. And I think they're really missing out on a trick with that one because yeah. Hamilton still got the most incredible items that they haven't seen. Oh, yes. Amazing stuff. He has an amazing collection. And he's also extremely knowledgeable on it all as well. It's mm. one thing collecting things, but to be so knowledgeable on them. Yeah, he's one of the cleverest men you will meet. He really oh, is. Yeah. 
I hope your ears are burning, Hamilton, <laughs> if you're listening to this. <laughs> he, too, he knows, you know, that um, I speak highly of him. And, and I would do because I've learned an awful lot of him. I mean, when I met him over 20, 25 years ago, I was selling him some Roman coins. Oh. And I broken uh, Roman fibulas and some Roman coins that I'd found metal detecting. And yeah. a friend of mine had, uh, had, had died, fortunately, and I got given his collection to pass on. And, uh -huh. and that's how I met Hamilton. And when he came down, he says, oh, yeah, I've just been to pick up a, a Norman sword. And I think, well, yeah, here oh. we go. Oh, really? Yes, it's in the boot of the car. I thought, <laughs> as you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just chuck it in the boot of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> have an end with it, I hope. <laughs> Huge Norman sword out with the Templar Knights kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow. And I said, I can't believe that you've got that. But is it real? And he says, oh, yeah, I've got a Viking one in the car as well. <laughs> and it's. So we went and bought out a Viking sword as well with the Tree of Life ingrained into it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was my first experience of what I could find in this country was rubbish compared to what that man can locate. Oh, yeah. But over the years, I've, I've learned to pick up a lot of stuff myself. And now I work as an auctioneer. I uh, run my own company called Wild Forest Auction. So I deal with deceased estates. So as an auctioneer, you see everything that man's ever made. Coming mm -hmm. So I've handled Roman helmets and Norman swords and thanks to Hamilton, you know, and Celtic neck talks all the way through to a found stone axes, metal detecting to um, to all sorts, you know, to coins. Wow. You find everything. Uniforms come through the door. It's something will survive somewhere. Oh, yeah. See, I always think, you know, when you when you find these things, I mean, I was lucky enough to go on a, a local archaeological dig. Um, and they were excavating um, Roman pottery kilns. And that was really interesting. And the thing is that when you uncover something, to be the first person to ever touch that item that may have lain there for thousands of years, I mean, it's mm. just totally thrilling, isn't it? It's a huge thrill, but you're holding that piece of history. But you're then the keeper of that for yeah. a very short blink of time. But that leads us into living history and reenactment. It's the only mm -hmm. way you get to time travel. So you yeah. learn these items were used and how they were done. And, you know, it, it's a fascinating subject. And but yeah. Yeah, the uh, the experiences from that, from the supernatural as well, which I'm wow. sure. Uh, yeah. Well, tell us, tell us a bit more about the, um, the supernatural experiences, because I know I've had a brief chat with you before about some of your experiences, which were amazing. So can you expand on that then, please? Um, Slightly. I mean, one of the things we did, I dug a World War One trench and we did a rock video called Wake Down. You could probably the internet. Um, but we were joined in the trench by a ghost. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> it, the worst thing is, is, is that we just stood and did a studio sort of photographic shot of the lads in the trenches and 15 foot up in the air, which we didn't see. But when the photo came out, it was a World War One soldier wearing all his web in his hand. Wow. Oh, wow. And it, That's it's amazing. the most incredible ghost photo I've seen. But when you zoom into it, it disappears into trees and bushes. And I've actually mm. got a copy of the photo. And you can just, I don't know if you can see that, but you can just see the yeah. head on the top. 
Oh yes, I can see it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah I can see it. I'll bring it closer, but when it goes really close, it's it's not actually there. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? Sorry, my uh, my camera skills aren't brilliant. No, don't no, worry. That's all right. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. But, that's uh, amazing. Did you actually feel anything? Did you sense anything while you were doing that? No, nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. We had, we, everything felt a bit weird when we were there anyway. But, yeah. But to see that photo, you can see the colour photo with the lads there. And then when you see that World War One head popping up, which is actually a fence post, a stick. And I think there's a name for it called Paradalia or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's what they call it, but that it, it's too accurate. He's wearing yeah. the correct helmet, the correct webbing, even where the correct webbing straps are on the back, yeah. correct size bayonet, the correct type of rifle. It's an to me, it's an impossibility for mm. it. To well, it's an odd thing, like goes on an odd thing to explain. But if you've seen one, as I have as well, I see the friend, I see uh, my friend's dead wife. So. I totally uh, accept that there is a, some form of life after death. How it is, I have no idea. But um, I do totally accept that, you know, having seen that myself. So, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks or they don't think. Um, you know, if you experience it, you know how, how genuine it is. I can only tell you the experiences that I've had. There's another yeah. that uh, was out metal detecting and I found this little stone cat. And it was out in the fields at the back because Hamilton's done some work because we where we film is a place called Low Haberley in Kidderminster. That's where mm -hmm. we've done a lot of the Sky uh, History program stuff. We've done other films there as well, Memories of a Sikh Soldier and lots of other different films. And wow. there's ley lines that cross it. And if you ever do anything with ley lines, ley lines, I understand what they are, but I've never worked with them. But Hamilton mm -hmm. showed me on the map, that's where they are. He's done dowsing. There's an ancient burial mound there. And up by the burial mound, when I was metal detecting, I found an area by the side of a, which is basically a sunken path, there's a sunken pathway there. And the route that my fields are on is if you went from the River Severn and you headed up towards Birmingham, there's a Roman road that crosses the River Severn and it goes. Uh -huh of my field but it's also a more ancient trackway now i found viking artifacts there i found roman uh brooches coins all sorts of bits and pieces wow. from yeah and the, the whole site of my field is an english civil war battlefield from the wow. of worcester which was the last battle in the english civil war so when all the soldiers left worcester all the scottish the royalist troops were being hunted down by the parliamentarians and basically being shot in a in a 20 mile swathe so there's all from the river seven all the way up through uh, half over into chadsley there's areas there where you find small engagements where royalists and parliamentarians had been on that retreat and where they've been shooting but where i am on low Haberley, it was a is a very flat area and they've got to get over the river to be safe which was clusters going into wales uh -huh. There's an area called Catchham's End there. So when they escaped Worcester, they had to come down through Holtfleet. Parliamentarian forces had blocked that off. 
the only other place was crossing the river at Bugley, and there's a place called Catchham's End. And it was called that because if they got over the bridge at Catchham's End by Bugley, then they were free to escape back into Wales. And the parliamentarians blocked that off. So the only other route was back up at Bridge North. But that's too far to go in one day. So they camped just off the area of my field. But they'd had a, an engagement. So there was, there was you know, thousands of troops trying to escape over the fields where we were. So that's why I went metal detecting in that area. So anyway, I found this little stone cat, carved stone cat which wasn't a metal detecting fine. It's an eyes only fine. So, but when oh. you met him, you look at the surface of the soil. So you're looking, you, you train your eyes in for bits of pottery or bits of flint. And, and, and in this case, I found this little bit of carved stone, which was a cat. And it wow. felt weird. And when I found it, the, the atmosphere sort of changed a little bit. And I thought, do you know what? I thought, I don't know what this is. But when I see Hamilton, I'll give it to him because he's a pretty good expert on that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I gave it to Hamilton. And when I saw him it was a few weeks later, it felt right. And he says, oh, I know the person for this. And this is a, a friend of his called Sabine. She's a television presenter over in Germany. Very attractive mm -hmm. lady. But she'd come over uh, a couple of times and I'd never met her. And... Um, so he sent this cat off. But Sabine, she also reads objects and items. Okay. And not knowing, Sabine, on one of her visits with Hamilton, had been in this sunken lane. And oh. I didn't know anything about it. And Hamilton came back to me with this. Basically, Sabine had told him when she got this cat, without him saying where it was from, she identified the exact sunken lane and it is where she'd met Hamilton and she was telling Hamilton that this uh, knight or somebody of wealth had been attacked and murdered in this lane. And it was something to do with him. So I'd found this cat in the ploughed field, which is literally no more than five metres away from where Sabine had stopped a year previously to say that this is where she'd had a really strong feeling of this uh, knight being wow. killed. But, That's incredible. But, but it makes sense as well because we didn't know a lot of this stuff. More stuff's coming to light about the Templars in mm. the area. And there was no um, known Templar associations. But we're starting to find Templar grave marks over in places called Kimva. Uh, there's areas over in Bromsgrove. It's all in a smaller area where yeah. they didn't know anything about it. And it's all tying in and Wolverley, which, which is the route that this path heads towards, was an area that was sacked by the Vikings twice. It's a very old village going back through to the Doomsday. So it was a known trackway and it's a known area where mm. all different ages would have gone up and down. So can we just explain to, sorry, Craig, can we just explain to the listeners that you're talking about psychometry? Yes. The reading of objects. Yes. Just so that they can uh, search for themselves and get well, a bit more understanding this, of it. This, yeah, this stone cat, this is what Sabine was doing. She was reading the information off this stone cat. And mm. I didn't know what that was, which is what I'm leading into now. And I'd done something similar with Hamilton when I first started to work with the Templar Knight Horde relics. Hamilton was giving, because I don't know, but some people see things and some people feel things and you get information in the middle of your head that is clearly not anything to do with you. 
and yeah. you find out it's exactly accurate and yeah. you know where that thoughts come from. And that's what psychometry is from what I can yeah. work. You know, I'm not trained in it. I know nothing no. about that sense. Well, no, get- I, think, I was going to say, Craig, the thing is, I mean, these, to me, in my opinion, these are all natural abilities that we all have. It's just that, unfortunately, for various reasons, um, you know, we don't always, people don't realise it. It's kind of children. I think children are really, really uh, sensitive. And of course, as they sort of get older and things, they just gradually, it just fades away because they're usually told, well, don't be silly. If they've got what they call an imaginary friend, might not be an imaginary friend Mm. at all. They might be seeing a spirit. But unfortunately, to most people, it's just, oh, it's just an imaginary friend. Don't be silly. And eventually they kind of think, oh, well, you know, I'm just being silly. I just won't. I I, I dare say, Craig, you've never read a book on anything uh, mystical or psychic or anything like that in your life, have you? I've read different ones. I read stories from Doris Stokes when I was a kid about me. I'm well aware of it. But I've yeah. never dabbled into it. I've never really sat there and studied it. Um, but with what I do as a job, I'm constantly going into areas of deceased estates. Yeah. And because I've been dealing with old and you know items for all my life, really, since I was 12 years old, I've I can almost read items in my hand and tell whether whether that's a skill from picking it up and years of learning from objects or whether it's something completely different i don't know that's why i always question myself but when hamilton gave me a sword from out of the relic and it got a name associated with it and basically i gave hamilton the name of this owner of this sword and it came to me. Now, when I tried to write it down, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And Hamilton pretty much dismissed it, but he went and pursued <laughs> it. And I actually gave him the 13th century French Latin name of the owner of the sword. Wow. Hmm. There'd be no possible way on this. No. I have known that. I don't no. know century Latin, but no. I don't exactly. And when it was broken down, Hamilton had shown it to an expert who sadly passed on now. He was the one that translated the, the name of the sword, and it was basically William. And But I'd give him the, the 13th century Latin name for it. Well, now, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how that works. But it does, it, that's the king. People don't know how it works. It's, a, it's quite a mystery, really. But uh, you do get amazing things. Shoney gets some amazing Egyptian things and loads of other stuff. And... Uh, I get stuff and you think, where the hell did that come from? How the hell do you know that? You know, I mean, there's also round objects. There's power in objects. I mean, we were working with the white chalice, uh, which is one of the white chalices out of the, the, the horde. And we were filming season two and we'd gone into the studio section I'd built. It was basically in a barn. And there's an air, you'll see it on season two. I can't remember what episode it is, but it's the, the white chalice. And, mm-hmm. um, I was kneeling down, uh, there's photos on my Facebook, but I was kneeling down on these these mats. We got the camera crew going there. It wasn't warm. It was quite, you know, it was quite chilly. And we just got everything set up. 
and I felt the urge to recite a Latin sword prayer, as you do. Um, as you do, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do that every lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. normal. It was the moment, the moment I was in, where it was gone all dark. I've got Roman pillars around me. I've got Templar bits and pieces out. I'm in that setting that I created and sitting there with this most fantastic chalice that was used by the Knights Templar in ceremonies. No one's not really allowed to touch it. Uh, I was allowed to touch it through Hamilton, obviously, because of what I was doing. I was playing the Grand Master. So I started to recite the Latin sword prayer. And all the cameras, the temperature dropped 10 degrees. Yeah. All the camera batteries died and all the lights went out on all the cameras and they just charged all the cameras up. They couldn't. Yeah. They had to go outside and put fresh batteries in. They came <laughs> back in. We were there about my breath. You could see my breath. You could see Hamilton's breath. It was all of a sudden. It was that temperature drop of 10, 10 yeah. and everything went out. And I then, wish they wouldn't drain the batteries. It's a bit of <laughs> Don't do it tonight if you're listening. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, it, it all all came back on. All the power came back on, if you like, and the temperature mm. went back up. And we both went, "That was weird." Mm. Yeah, now I can I can understand. I should that. think probably the production crew thought it was a bit weird yeah. as well, because I mean, if they've just charged everything up and it's suddenly drained, that, that's not normal, is it? Uh, we had a ghost hunting crew come down to my field. As I explained, there was a it was a battle site there. And mm -hmm. this, I've never worked with a ghost hunting crew before in my life. I hadn't a clue. I've only ever seen the programs on television, you know, like paranormal investigation, that kind of thing. And um, mm -hmm. oh, we used to watch a bit of Derek Akora, which, you know, that was that was a terrible show. But, <laughs> but yeah. ghost hunting crew, and I was interested because when I walked down my track at night, my track's probably be about... I don't know, about seven or 800 yards long. Eight, you know, it's quite quite a long walk. And when I go back down there, it's the very enclosed of the trees. And it's an old area of where it was. It was next to a, um, a, a 17th century coaching hin. And I got a feeling that the tree at the top was used for hanging. And when I climb over my gate, it's, it's great in the field. But when I climb over my gate, someone follows me. And it yeah. got so uneasy all the time. Every time I walked down there, especially at night time, I just felt like there was somebody behind me all the time. So I called these ghost hunting team in. So there's four or five of them. I invited Hamilton down and a friend of his called Roland. And Roland's, you know, quite into that thing as well. He, he, he can uh -huh. he can pick up on stuff as well. So we've got me, Hamilton and Roland there and this ghost hunting crew. And they said, right, what we want you to do then is walk down the track and we'll got this temperature gun and we will fire this temperature gun and see what changes there are i said well that worked went, yeah so just do what you normally do and walk down the track so i started walking down the track and the man says to me do you want the good news or do you want the bad news i went oh that sounds ominous <laughs> i've wasted your time he says no he said there's a bad news is he said there's definitely something behind you I said, well, what's the good news? He says, you've just proved it. There's a six-degree temperature drop following you up the track. Mm. So this temperature drop was following me up the track. Now, you can't prove mm. what that is, whether that's a, you know, is that a spirit? Is that a ghost? I don't know. But all they can do is give you the science. And the science was there was a six-degree temperature fluctuation, you know, so it's colder by six degrees directly mm. behind 
moving up the track directly behind me. So mm, wow. field then, and they put out a series of seven lights. Now this is a cut grass field. I've got horses in, and they said, "Well, where do you think's the most active?" I said, "Well, up by that hedge there, because I found a lot of impacted musket balls into the hedge." Uh -huh. I said, feeling they, you know, they were shooting at each other there, and it always felt a little bit weird there. I said, so they put these lights down, and these lights only work if you either physically go up and touch them or kick them, or whether somebody is using an electromagnetic force on top of them, and then the light will switch on. So they put seven of them in a row, and mm -hmm. so they put them all down, and we stood about 20 feet back from them. So there's no tremors in the ground or anything like that. No one's moving. It's about half past eight, nine o'clock at night. It was quite dark. And I said, well, what's supposed to happen now? They said, well, we we would like them to turn the lights on. I said, well, as a joke, I said, shall I ask the spirits to turn the lights on? They said, well, if you can do that. I said, well, I don't know. But I said, can you please prove that you're here and turn the lights on? Every single light went on, one after the yeah. other. Boom, 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 boom. And my jaw dropped. And anyway, they did a few more investigations. They used a spirit box and the name of a lady kept coming over. And then somebody else was saying, don't talk to them. And the, with the boxes, I know that to get a sentence in there is very difficult. And there was almost like a conversation going on in, in yeah. that. I can't, unfortunately, none of that's recorded. I haven't got any of that. No, no. They, the, 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 I think the sad thing is, Craig, is uh, on television, a lot of programs, they are uh, made for TV, and so they do a lot of uh, acting. And, you know, we know that there is uh, some genuine uh, paranormal phenomena. And um, But the problem is uh, programs, you know, for entertainment purposes only, and, you know, absolute rubbish. And, you know... It's a shame because they, you know, it's degrading what uh, what there really is there, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll give you another great example. Working with the horde, I was at home one night and I had this real urge to ring Hamilton, and I I rang him up. This you the problem is I can't say too much because it it makes the horde sound absolutely, you know, what's going on with it. But there's it's so powerful. He's, mm. there's, there's a lot of objects Hamilton's got. I'm not going to say yeah, that. Yeah, a massive collection, yeah. But, yeah, but what came out of that hoard is well over 50 items. And mm. I got this compulsion. Working with the hoard, once you there's a guardian spirit with that hoard, 100%. Mm. And I urged to ring Hamilton up. And I said, Hamilton, I said, you've done something in the upstairs room. Now, this is before all the television program was going on. This yeah. was before that so all that horde now is, is is not with hamilton it's all securely locked away so we've learned he's, he's learned lessons from it let's put it this way but he had a, a piece of this horde which was a uh was, was probably the grave marker or the cross that uh, you might have seen in the program and mm -hmm. he got it leaning up against this wooden board and i said hamilton i said to me, I can see this object is leaning on this other object. And I said, and it's starting to burn. I can see flames as a fire. I said, you must go upstairs. I said, I don't know what it is, but you've got really good against really evil. 
I said, and there's something going on. You need to go upstairs. And he was like, well, okay, okay. He's learned to listen to me in the past. Yeah. yeah. He's gone upstairs and he's gone into the room. where There's no one there but Hamilton. And he's, he's seen, he smelt burning. And he's gone mm. over to the the grave marker, which I told him about. Now, bear in mind, I hadn't gone in there. I didn't know anything. I can only remote view mm. um, okay. going on. And I, I said, you must, this this stone with the cross on it, I said, it's causing a fire, if you like. And he got it leaning against this cloth, and the cloth was scorched. Really? He, he, mm. back, he says, yep, yeah. he says, you're right. I said, well, what was it against? He says, the door out of Eva Braun's room in Hitler's bunker, at the Reichschancellery bunker. Mm. Wow. So, the cupboard doors at Eva Braun, one of the because he's he's got that door. It, it was it, so you got the Nazi connotations leaning against the Templar connotations, and it was good against evil. Now, whether you believe in stuff like that or not, I don't know. But when well, I showed me the tablecloth and it got a brown scorch mark on, but it's really I, interesting, Craig, because um, I had a, a kind of similar experience in this um, really old cottage that I used to live in um, when I was a little girl with my parents and we had this big um, tapestry it was an antique tapestry mm. hanging on our wall and all the walls are whitewashed now my mum was all by herself watching some tv one night and all of a sudden it didn't just fall off the wall it was like someone ripped it off um anyway so she was a little bit freaked out by that and so she told me about it in the morning and I went to look at this place. It was kind of like a gangway leading into our living room where the TV was. When I went to look where the wall hanging had been hanging on the wall, there was a singed um, sort of imprint of a thumb and a forefinger on the wall. Yeah, I remember you saying about that. So, yeah. and, and can't explain yeah. that. That was amazing. Mm, so we do understand that. Anyway, needless to say, my mum told whatever it was <laughs> off and said, look, it's staying up there. I like it. <laughs> Don't do it again. <laughs> but if, if spirits are taking the form of an energy, then surely mm. they've got the ability to use that energy and turn the temperature up, if you like. Of course, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who understand it far better than I do. Mm. Well, I don't think anybody really knows 100%. I mean, no. we all, everybody has their ideas. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that sort of claim to be experts or are given the title expert on, no, everything. on yeah. the paranormal, but I think really we can make conclusions and uh, have ideas about these things, but we don't 100% know, I don't no, no, think. You don't. You can't, you can't possibly know, can you? It's all superstition, really. Well, I mean, I don't like talking about it to people. I mean, there'd be a lot of people listening into this who probably know me going, crikey, I didn't know you knew anything no. like this. <laughs> 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 this could end your career. Yeah. I bet they're probably saying with a light bulb, oh. saying, oh, we could use that, save on electricity bills, could we? Yeah, but yeah. it just makes it sound a bit crazy, doesn't it? So you don't like to, I don't like to talk about it so much. No, but, no. Uh, well, I'm with you on that, Craig. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, when you're used to it yourself and you have loads of experiences and things, I mean, it's really amazing. But to, to someone who maybe works in an office and has never had an experience, mm. it's just completely crazy to them. Yeah. It's alien to them, isn't yeah. it? I, I just think uh, from working with the Templar Horde, because I've worked with it now for, for 
you know, it's got to be 12 years plus. And I think a bit of it rubs off on you. Mm. I think the power of it, I mean, unless you start handling those objects, you, you really don't understand how Hamilton's, to me, sitting on a time bomb with it, you know? Yeah, it, it's amazing. The charge out of, there's something going on with that, which is, is 100%. You can't, science can't explain. Absolutely. Well, it's difficult. Not mainstream uh, no, science, no, at least. No. Ever. I don't know how he sleeps at night with all that energy. No. The different energy is uh, going on. I mean, yeah, that's, that's quite right. I mean, the, the point of it is, uh, we've we've both seen uh, the the rooms and that, and we've been in there, and the and the drop in temperature was amazing. Yeah, and, and you know, once we went in, it was so hot, and then it was freezing cold, and uh, and uh, I went with Hamilton to uh, Montsegur, and yeah. uh, the camera I tried to take some pictures up there, and didn't get one picture, did I? No, not one. No, I was very disappointed. In that. They didn't want me to take any photos as obviously. <laughs> Uh, I could have got a good one of Rick Stanley, but that, forget about that. <clears throat> where, where I am now is my office, and there's only one door off the bedroom. And uh, I would quite frequently get footsteps in and out of here. And I think sometimes we bring objects into our homes that bring something with it. Mm. And, and that item, I mean, I know a friend of mine down in Portsmouth, He'd got a huge badge collection of, of fire brigade badges, military badges, etc. Mm. And he used to go into his office quite regularly and somebody had opened all the drawers up and moved all the badges around. And he basically went in there one day and seen this apparition and move, uh, uh, in, in the area where his cabinets were, which freaked him out. So he mm. rang up the lady where he'd bought some of them from and he spoke to her about it and she said, yes, he'd been dead 10 or 15 years. She wondered whether or not he was going to, I think it was Derek his name was or something, that whether he was going to follow his objects. And basically as a spirit, he just liked to look through his badge collection. And because John had bought it as a collector and added it to his, and there was suddenly this spirit had got a whole new collection of badges to go through and look at. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's amazing, though. But obviously, I mean, they're looking at these things, you know, from, from the spirit world, if you like, and they're just saying, yeah, they do take an active interest in things. I mean, we've had things go disappearing in yeah. our house quite frequently. That's on my tip. I keep nicking my glasses, eh? <laughs> That's <laughs> when they're not on the head, though. Hold it. <laughs> a lot of people they put items down and it mm. could be it could be a necklace and it'll disappear and yeah. then yeah. bumps later oh. same place oh, they're different we had quite a strange experience a couple of days ago that uh gary bought me some lovely lilies in a vase and i filled it right up to the top it's quite a big vase with water yeah and i looked at them the next day thinking why are they wilting and all the water had gone yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely no explanation no spillage, for that at all. No spillage no. anywhere, just disappeared mm. out of the vase. Completely disappeared. Are there any gardeners out there, any experts? <laughs> We'd like to know how the water disappeared. Because it's quite uh, maybe, amazing. Maybe you were sleepwalking and thirsty and you are asleep well, or something. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know what, that, it's a different thing, but it reminds me of a story of when we went reenacting living history at a place called Bosco Bell House which again, mm. Charles uh, hid in the oak tree when he was trying yeah. to escape. 
And we were doing a reenactment show there. Oh, 15 years ago, perhaps 16 years ago. I got my metal detector with me. Um, we were in an area of where the, the outside the house and I was speaking to the curator and uh, I said, you know, there's only chance to do a little bit of metal detecting. He said, you can't round here. He said, but you can have a go over on the campsite section where you are. It's quite rough. He said, you can, you can do that and have a go. And I thought, brilliant. Have a little bit of metal detecting around Boscobel House. You, you can't go wrong there. And uh, so anyway, so on the night when we'd all finished, you know, doing our reenactment chores as it was, and it was uh, going quieter, I thought, I'll get my metal detector out and I'll, I'll walk over this area where the campsite was. So as I say, I got permission. It wasn't wasn't doing it without permission. I said, anything got fine there, I'll, I'll give to the house in the morning. And the storm started up. Now, I couldn't go to where Charles had hid in the oak tree because it's not actually at Boscovar House. It's further down, uh, probably about a quarter of a mile away from where the house was, where he hid in the tree. So you'd have to walk all across the ploughed fields to get there. I was mm -hmm. being a bit lazy. So I thought, I'll stick to where we were. But it's underneath this other great big oak tree, which was in the grounds. So I'm metal detecting away, and it just, it was weird. It was almost like I was being pushed away. And then all this storm started up. There was no rain, but there was really high winds. There was electrical lightning going on. There was all sorts. So I thought, well, I'm gonna, I can't go out if I get electrocuted. Or, but it's not, it's not raining. It was really weird. So I went under this tree, and the canopy of the tree was probably about forty feet, and it was very dry soil. And I thought, well, if it's going to rain. I won't get wet under here. I thought I'll have to stop because it it was a proper storm. Wind was really up. It was really bad, and I just couldn't find anything at all. But I always felt there was felt that there was a presence there, like a really horrible presence, and it was just like almost like in your head, like get out, get out, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going anywhere until you let me find something, and it got so bad, and I was like. I got more angrier, saying, I'm not going until I get somewhere. And one of us broke because all of a sudden the the wind stopped. It went perfectly still. And then it was beep, 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 beep. There was things everywhere. And I was dug in, digging up musket balls. And I was, these are great. These are musket balls. And I was picking them up and putting them in bag. So that I finished, the wind died down, and then it started back up again. And I, thought, I said, thank you very much. You let me find something. I'll go to bed now. I said that to the spirit, whoever it was under the tree. So I went to bed, woke up in the morning and I've got, must have been 20 or 30 of these musket balls and they look brand new. So I took them over, all excited to show the curator of the museum. And I said, look, without metal detecting, all these are from under the tree. He said, well, they can't be original musket balls. He said, they're all, they all look brand new. They all look too good because lead, when lead's cast first, it's very shiny and mm -hmm. over over a couple of hundred years it goes really dark gray and it starts to get like a white powder on it and it's a verdigree yeah. and the metal breaks down and yeah. it traces the verdigree on there but the metal in areas was shiny and other areas were dark gray and i said these have got age to them he says oh he said they must have been dropped by reenactors i said well that's impossible says because reenactors even over the years aren't yeah. musket balls to fire at each other. They're reenacting. They use black. <laughs> slightly dangerous. Yeah, slightly. Uh, health, I think the health and safety risk. team might be onto that one. <laughs> and it took him a bit of convincing, but he, he, he had all these musket balls and they ended up in the display case there. 
But that was such yeah. a good thing to happen. It really was. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think? What do you feel yourself happened there? Do you feel that maybe there was a bit of a time slip or something that happened there? What do you think? No, I've experienced it on several locations. I've gone out metal detecting knowing I'm going to find a particular artifact in a particular area. And I've gone out there on a field of something like a 80 acre field. And, I've, mm. and there's been absolutely nothing. And I've walked across just in the right spot to find a, a full Celtic gold stator. Wow. Eight years old. And my friends were so far away, I had to ring them up on a WhatsApp video call to say, look at this one I found. This field was 80 acres big. And, oh. I've, and it ended up being the for the uh, the Bonnie tribe. And where I'd found it was the other side of Wolverhampton. Uh, for your viewers that don't know that area or, or the Celtic history, they should that that kind shouldn't have been there. It should have been in the Cotswolds. So it was the furthest travelled coin for that particular Celtic tribe. Boundaries wow. like forty miles further than what they should have been. But there was nothing else on the field. Absolutely nothing. Not even a piece of lead. Not even a button. Absolutely barren. But Amazing. yeah, I walked across it found it and i could have literally blown the dust off it with my breath it was it wasn't even buried it was just a very light covering of dust over the top of it on this plowed field amazing and so it makes I, me wonder if maybe i was going to say it makes me wonder if maybe that uh you know the spirit world as i call them might be leading you to yeah. find things I, to be I, a guardian of them to look I, after them if you're meant to find something you will find it it will find you if people go to a car boot sale and they're a collector, they could look round 100 stalls, but it, they might find that item that they collect there. And they go mm -hmm. thinking, oh, that was lucky. But then they'll go to the next car boot and they'll find something that they collect. And mm -hmm. it could be most random, obscure things. And other people are going, well, I collect that. And I've been going there for years. How come you find it? That one person keeps finding that stuff that they collect. And yeah. waiting for you, it's drawn to you. And I think you can influence things that you want to find by positive thinking as well. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of making me think of uh, that TV programme, Detectorist. I don't know if you've seen that, have you? Fantastic. What a gentle... Yeah, I, love, I love that series, but I'm thinking that yeah. these stories would be an incredible storyline for them because, in a way, you know, he was kind of focusing on, you know, to get get this yeah. gold and then this wonderful um, bit where the, the magpie basically has a nest they've been detectoring all this time <laughs> and then the magpie's been collecting all these gold Roman coins in the nest and then on the end programme they all fall down at their feet, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I was going to say the key to that was is in the storyline, which I thought was great, was the, the very moment that they decided that actually they should share rather than trying to keep, you know, the field and detectoring to themselves. The moment they thought, well, OK, we should just share it. That's when it, yeah, it so came had a good them. moral story to it. Yes, didn't it? it did. Yeah. Whoever wrote that programme understood metal detecting. Because a mm. lot of what happens in that programme, I've been in metal detecting clubs for years. And it is exactly like that in some of these clubs. You know, there's like two or three members or they've been there 30-odd years or there's only eight uh, of them. Not playing a sausage. 
Mm. So yeah, yeah we, we did think that we'd like to do that, didn't we? Metal detecting. Yeah, at some point. I'd like to have a go. Yeah, but I think it was Mackenzie Crook who actually starred in it. I think he wrote it as well, so he's a very clever man. Yeah, mm. metal detector is from what I can gather. I think he, mm. he does go out metal detecting. As I say, he's, he's got himself. Huh? He's got to have it with that understanding of it, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. No, it's fantastic. Mm. But that's the only part they probably don't know about is that, you know, with the intuition, the intuition does definitely lead you to things, doesn't yeah. it? I've thought about my, myself sometimes. I've thought, well, you know, I get something in my mind and I think I really, I want to get that. I need to get that. And then you'll turn up in a shop and there it is. Yeah, just as you've true, just yeah. as you've seen in your mind. So I think that uh, the mind is very powerful, actually, if we mm. know how to use it properly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had lots of bits and I, I, I'm a magpie myself. I collect all sorts of bits and pieces and I've needed items that clients have asked me for, for example, whether it be for a film or something. And I've gone, well, I haven't seen any for years, but I'll, I'll go out and have a look and, and blow me. I've found it within that week yeah. just before the deadline or where they need it. So I get a yeah. lot of buyers now ringing me up going, Craig, we need this. <laughs> got it in warehouse and I'm like, my Thursday. focus on it and get it. <laughs> Find it to be the most obscure items. It, it really can. Everything from like 1960s mattresses uh, onwards. Mm. I mean, I'm finding stuff at the moment for um, uh, Stephen Knight's doing a new program called Two Tones and it's about the scar movement so i've been supplying a lot of props uh for that and and bits and pieces and i'm getting can you get you know 1970s food stuff and i'm scratching my head thinking <laughs> food from and when i work as a got into a house and i've opened the door up and there's all this 1970s food packaging and i'm thinking you can't oh. You know, well, I tell you what, if my nan was still alive, you'd have found loads of 1970s product in her cupboard because she never threw anything away. Yeah. <laughs> 20 year old food stock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. I, I, do you know what? When I go into people's houses now, if it's a deceased estate, and this, this might sound a bit weird, but I explain why I'm there. I mean, I'm going in there and I'm probably the only person there, but I will explain that, you know, your life has passed and this is the next stage. I'm here mm. to do my job now for your family to move items on and, and mm. they can have some money back and it won't go to landfill. I'll recycle this and I'll do that. And I almost explain to the spirit and that the whole vibe mm. of the house changes. That's a lovely thing because I think, the, you know, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of these uh, people that go and do these house clearances have not necessarily got the it's best. It's just intentions. about money, isn't it? No, it's just about know. money. That's right. So it's lovely that you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's lovely that you've got that. I understand you've got some horses, uh, Craig, as well. Yeah. yeah, that's why I've got the field where uh, I've had all the ghosts hunting and stuff because that's where I keep my, my horses. Hmm. So, so yeah. have they picked up anything? Do you think? Do they are they a bit sensitive to uh, well, energies and things? Uh, well, they're sensitive to the fact that every time I get a television camera out, the one deliberately goes lame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding you, you this week. You're a Templar night horse. No, I'm not, Dad. I've got. No. <laughs> 
I've gone live. <laughs> I've got a doggy leg. Perfect. They're very funny, aren't they? They've all got characters. All animals have got their own characteristics. Yeah, I've got Shetland as well. Likes to turn everything. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, my daughter, she's going to want to come over. Yeah, and have we'll a have to then. we'll have to come and meet you one day, Craig. And um, you know, she she just loves as Shona does, loves horses. You know, hey, more than welcome. Well, I I built a a, a film set because um, I'm doing a program called Trenchers, and. Mm -hmm. It's a program that I started up basically when COVID was on. I was trying to raise money for the British Legion. So mm. I thought, okay, let, let's start a web series. I can't do any filming, can't get a television company to buy the program. So I thought, well, what can I do? So thinking of programs like Dad's Army, Blackadder, or things like that, from well, I thought, well, if I do it in World War One, I, I can set it in a trench. Mm -hmm. so, set of a trench above ground so it's not actually in the ground and that's on my field and i invited a few friends over and we get all the world war one costumes and uniforms together and we've done a whole web series uh, like similar to what you're doing but ours as we're live as well and we called it trenchers and yeah, then right, okay. got the money for world war one but i was putting lots of uh, original items in there that we were using and we had some some really weird things going on yeah. when it happened when we were filming. Um, well, it, did, uh, it just reminded me uh, of a story, like talking to you about, you know, uh, things, uh, is that when uh, Shona was heavily pregnant, we were driving in the car and we were approaching a bend and I could hear the unborn baby, which is Amber, she's now 10, but I could hear her saying, slow down, daddy, slow down. So this came about two or three times. Slow down, Daddy. Slow down. So I slowed right down. And as I slowed right down, coming from round the bend was this idiot on the wrong side of the road. And had I not slowed down, we would have had an head on, wouldn't we? Yeah. 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 So it just shows you that, that you know, that, that voice in the head, whatever it, wherever it comes from, I mean, that's truly amazing. An unborn baby. It's extraordinary. I, I think you've got spirit guides around you. I think everyone's got spirit guides. I, yeah. I have friends that have been ill recently, and I think one of my spirit guides, if you like, is a wolf, and I've asked my wolf several times now to go to some seriously ill friends, and they've, they've said, Craig, can you send me your wolf? And it's almost like come as a joke, if you like. And you know what? Uh, the three people I've done that to, they've all got better from very well, life. That, that sounds like um, maybe a power animal or something, because usually you have a power animal and you have, you know, different ones that you feel drawn to that you can see. Yeah, I, I don't know. As a friend of mine, he's XSAS and he was really ill in hospital and his partner, Deb, didn't think he was going to, go get through it and sending healing blessings and love and well you do you pray for people don't you in that absolutely sense. yeah yeah it's amazing yeah. yeah what what religion you have whether you're a spiritual whether you believe in god and jesus christ and all that like mm. it's more in the spirit world rather than one particular named individual and mm. i the way that i see it is there's a lot of wise men up there so when it's your turn to go, you go up there and you get asked a series of questions. And the one person at the end is the supervisor and you've got to answer to him. And then 
he will then say, do you want to go back or not? And <laughs> you're not, not bloody likely. <laughs> you're not on the list. You're not coming in. <laughs> you're not coming in. Some people don't go back and other people go back. So if you're having a really horrible, hard time in this life, it's mm. probably had a much easier life in a previous time. And I mm. do believe in that we do relive if you want to, you know, re rebirth. And I've, I've had something called regression done. And I had yeah. it by probably the world's leading hypnotist at the time called Joe Keaton. I don't know if you ever heard that name. Basically, no. 16 or 17, the Daily Star was newspaper was running an article on regression. And I got really interested in it from reading it in the paper. And it was about hypnotic regression back to, to previous lives. And when I got up there, because this newspaper reporter had been writing all these articles and they'd said that they got this place in Birmingham, this hotel. I think it was the Mercury Hotel. And they said, anyone that wants to come, go up. And I said, Dad, I want to go. And he said, I'll go with him. My oldest brother, Kevin, came as well. And we all went up there to listen to this hypnotist called Joe Keaton. He's probably gone now. Um, but he'd got some of his subjects in there that he'd done lots of previous regression on. And he said, uh, is there any volunteers? Well, of course, you know, I have to put my hand up and I'll go, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to go. I'd love to know if I could be regressed back. So I sat in this chair and he started to do what he was doing was basically saying, imagine you're in a lift. He said, you can use this technique to go to sleep. He said, if you can't sleep and you're suffering from insomnia, he says, you start off on the 10th floor and your lift goes down till you get to ground. So you watch this old fashioned lift where you've got the old metal door that is like a, like a chain one where you open it and it like mm -hmm. concertina opens and you can watch the bricks go past. He said, and follow each level down from 10 to nine to eight. Each time you go down, it gets darker and darker. And when you get to one, when you see that last bit and you go to ground, then you should be asleep. And if that doesn't work, then you go into the cellar and the basement. He said, and you'll find it relaxed. So use that technique to go to sleep. So I did for years mm. and that works fantastic. But I couldn't get back to that bit of regression because I kept choking. He says, you will get there. He says, so if you, if I carried on, because I mean, it was a live audience and I couldn't, but I felt myself going under and it frightened me. So I jumped yeah. up. I was like, you know, I, I, I felt like I was drowned in. And basically, yeah. from what I could work out, I felt as if I'd, been a uh, on on a submarine and so my camera's going again and oh. I thought I'd been in a previous life had been on a submarine uh, on a German World War Two submarine and it sunk in mm. 1942. Now I wasn't an officer or anything like that, but I think I was one of the NCOs, and I think I missed all the war. And the reason why I think that is because I understand German pretty well oh sorry my my camera keeps going <laughs> no i know <laughs> i've never studied german language at all and uh i i couldn't understand when people were talking to me and i just thought is there little glimmers of your previous life in mm. this life that influences what we do and how we behave and i've been told many times i'm an old soul and are these old souls as they get better towards enlightenment? Are those the people that become these strong mediums? Sorry, I'm really struggling. No. I'm really. Well, I think, 
I think you've definitely got something there, Craig, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, you're a wonderful because, soul, aren't you? Uh, I yeah. think, you know, I could speak to you all evening, but unfortunately we're going to have to wind down now because then I, our time is coming to an end. But, wonderful um, guest, wonderful guest. A really guest. wonderful thank guest. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been really a pleasure talking to you as well. It's been wonderful, Craig. Well, it's a great time to finish because I'm now having to currently hold the phone up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get that sticky tape out. <laughs> thank you very much, Craig. And I really appreciate uh, you coming on. And yeah. I'll just finish by saying thank you for joining us on The Allens Investigate. You can check us out on www.theallensinvestigate.com. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. Bye. Till next week. Till next week. Craig, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, I hope, Craig. I hope that we can see you again and we can continue our chat because it's been so fascinating. Yeah, fascinating, man. <laughs> They can always leave a comment on your site. Oh. <laughs> Certainly will. Thanks very much, Craig. Take care, Craig. Bye. 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 He's fascinating with him. Mm, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he's an interesting man, Craig. Very interesting. Well, I hope that we can continue the conversation um, perhaps another time. Yes, I'm sure we will. Because I know Craig's got lots and lots of stories to tell. <laughs> so that's wonderful. And uh, it's now. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, if you're there. We... <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Anyway, maybe we can continue then if we're still live. So, I mean, we've had some quite interesting experiences ourselves with things as well, because I know we were talking about um, when we had stuff disappearing from the house. That was quite mm, interesting yeah. because your glasses disappeared, didn't they? Well, they <laughs> the trouble is I can't find them. I can't see. <laughs> normally it's because they're on your head. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did have a few problems with the flies in, you know, in the studio. Two flies and they got on my nerves. <laughs> but were they but, crawling on your shiny head? Maybe they were. Well, they were crawling on my shiny head, yes. Mm. But, uh, but I was hoping the old uh, glare would uh, scare them off, but it didn't, did it? Need some sunglasses, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> They're a big problem. But I know how we met was very interesting as well, wasn't it? Because that was quite unusual. Well, yeah. That's a long story, isn't it? But a wonderful mm. one. And we'll no doubt we'll cover that soon. Yeah, no, it was very interesting. Um, maybe we should talk about that a bit because, I mean, it, it is interesting. It's a fascinating story how we got together, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, are you gonna are you gonna talk about it? Or do well, you <laughs> I don't know. We've got time, have we? To talk about that. I mean, no. we're not on for two hours, are we? We're we just, we're supposed we're to be on for just one hour. Just one hour. <laughs> but anyway, we'll continue. Um, if Joe is there and uh, he wants to come and say hi, that would be great. 
Um, but yeah, it's really interesting how we met because um, the thing is, I mean, when when I went to the spiritualist church, that was a very strange experience because I met somebody there. And as soon as I arrived, he said, you've come here for a reason, haven't you? And, and I did, actually. It's very interesting. So I got chatting and I said, well, actually, I'd quite like to because I've had a lot of experiences myself with um the spirit world and you know all sorts of interesting experiences and I said yeah you know I'd quite like to um come and sit in a mediumship circle to try and develop a bit more and he said well fine he said I'll talk to um some of the others and then come back next week he said and, and perhaps we can organize it mm. so that was great so I did um he was looking kind of stony faced the next time I saw him and he said well I'm really sorry but um he said there's a bit of a problem he said because they won't let you come and sit in circle until you've um done you know a, a kind of a intuition circle first to develop so i thought well okay well i don't mind to do that that's fine now i went one week and i sat down and i was a bit early and the first lady that walked in smiled at me and came and sat down anyway to cut a long story short that's how i met you wasn't it well yeah that's it but uh, that that journey started seven years, or at least seven years before that, when I uh, was on a train and I was uh, going to Essex and uh, I was sitting opposite this blonde bird, you know, well, lady, I said, not very PC, is it, Santa Bird? Not really. But anyway, anyway, I was sitting next to this uh, blonde lady and uh, and a voice in my head said to me, you'll tell her Peter. So I thought, oh, I can't say that. I don't even know her. And uh, the voice came back again, said, oh, tell her Peter. So I ignored it twice and then it came again, tell her Peter. So I thought, I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you on your journey, but uh, um, do you know Peter? And she said, Peter's my boss. She said, how do you know? And I said, oh, I'm intuitive. And um, she said, well, my friend is as well. So she said, I've got to get off now. She said, let me give you my card. And she did. And um, well, <laughs> And that was the beginning of uh, how I met Shona, and it's a it's a, an amazing story, but it's a, a bit long for now, isn't it, to tell really? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, to cut a, a long story to short. To cut a long story short, yeah. To know. cut a long story short, I ended up uh, in Norfolk, and uh, and I was in Otica's bookshop with my son, pushing my young son about, who was a, a young boy at the time. And uh, and I met another lady there, and uh, this other lady. You meet a lot of ladies, don't I do, you? yes, I do. Worry. I've been well known for that, <laughs> I meeting a lot of ladies. Anyway, <clears throat> that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, and I met this um, this lady with dark hair, and I started telling her things about her life, and she said, that's amazing, how do you know that? And uh, she, I said, 